he signed up to step into Daniel. Daniel was over here. He's my literature man. He just blew up the world. And um, he's on a one-year program. Fifty-five men approximately have done that same job, worked with me, traveled with me for one year, books, driving, you know, anything, anywhere, whatever the cost. And every one of those 55 men is going on for God today. I'm in touch pretty well with all of them except one. And now my own grandson is going to uh, do that next year. So what an encouragement. So, you know, if you haven't done so well with your kids, God gives you another chance. And start to get uh, on the grandkids. But uh, today is a special day also because it's International Literature Sunday. Uh, I've declared, by the way, every Sunday as International Literature Sunday. And so we want to give everybody uh, a gift of books. We'd like to give each family three books. It's a little narrow what we're giving because you can't give what you don't have. And so we only have big quantities of a few books. One of them is this brand new edition of Patrick Dixon's AIDS and You, now called AIDS Action. And really, this is way more relevant for all of us than we realize. And we'd love you to just take this book and maybe you'll read a part of it or all of it or pass it on. But that's a gift and you do us a great favor because God's put it on our heart to flood this out in many languages. Patrick Dixon's been my mentor in this area. And uh, we've seen 300,000 in many languages of the old edition go out. This new edition, a lot more work went into it, got approved by the UN. One of the few faith books the UN has ever approved. And so um, it's a book you can give even to a non-Christian. And sometimes when non-Christians, many of whom have a stereotype view of biblical Christians. Let's be honest. When you give something like this or even talk about it to a non-Christian, often it opens the door later to talk about Jesus. And one of the things that non-Christians need to see is that we're human. We're real. And we're not just concerned about, you know, people being saved, which they don't really uh, relate to generally too well. We're concerned about these global crises The second book we want to give you uh, is about the unborn. It's called Why Pro-Life by Randy uh, Alcorn. And uh, I don't have a copy of it up here. I thought I did, but uh, here it is. Here it is, the new British edition. We got this book. uh, We got this book anglicized. There it is. Why Pro-Life. It's a very sensitive book toward the mothers as well as the unborn. And I was so thrilled at hearing, hearing, hearing that here in Ipswich you have a pregnancy counseling ministry. The least we can do, especially for someone considering abortion, is pray and talk about options. And not accuse them like of murder or come across with hurtful rhetoric. Because for many, that's all they know. And this is just a beautiful, sensitive book. So everybody can have those two books. And then you have a choice. Your third book is tremendous choice. Any book by uh, George Verwer. <laughs> they really don't sell that well, so we'd like to give you one. And I think my new book is there. Um, Drops from a Leaking Tap. And um, one of my older books about world missions, Out of the Comfort Zone. And some of my really old ones, No Turning Back. They're there. So everybody, every family, 
And if you're just single, of course, you get all three. Don't worry about that, uh, of those books. There's a lot of other great books, including the brand new edition of Operation World. Uh, All the other books on that table are any donation. We'd like to think even in terms of just one pound. So this is the book bargain day of your life. We're not going to be beat by these one pound shops. Now I understand the 99 pence shops are nipping at their... So if you want to give 99 pence, you can give 98. So all the other books are any donation uh, except this one, which is just published, an expensive book. We're more or less giving this at uh, a very special reduction, but we're asking people to donate 12 pounds. This is the most important missionary book in the history of the church in the minds of most missiologists. A team spent five years to update this. Prayer and information on every nation in the world. It's not a book that you'll just read, obviously, right through. You'll be referring to it for the next 10 years or until you go to be with Jesus. You hear about Libya? Open to the Libya section. You hear about Bahrain? I just had my meetings in Bahrain canceled and the ship visit. The only cancellation we had in the whole Middle East and North Africa with the ship, which is now in Sri Lanka. So you look it up and you see what it says about Bahrain, a tremendous book. And we do take uh, checks. Also free of charge, we have this DVD, the Jesus film in a multitude of languages. Fifteen languages, Arabic, Bengali, Kurdish, French, Polish, all on that little DVD. One of the greatest evangelistic tools in the history of the church. Pick some up as a gift. There's Oswald Saunders, brilliant book on leadership. There's Debbie Meroff. This should be dedicated to our mothers here today. All about women. This became my book of the year, my book of the decade. Uh, Incredible facts about what women are suffering around the globe. So please um, take a look at these books. Come back again tonight. We hope some of them will still be there. Turn with me now in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 9. Sunday's a very special day for me. I, could, I can tell you all the Sundays going back, I don't know how far. Last Sunday was in Halifax, Nova Scotia. The previous Sunday, five meetings in three different churches in Korea. The previous Sunday was Malaysia. Uh, the previous Sunday, I think, must have been uh, on the east end of London with Indians. The previous Sunday to that was, I think, somewhere... In North America, every Sunday is important. Of course, every day is important. But Sunday is special because God's people come together. And there's prayer and there's worship. And worship is the highest calling of the Christian. And so forgive me if I have in my life made Sunday a special day. And pretty well every Sunday since my conversion, I've been with God's people. Often now, of course, sharing his word. The local church is the key to world evangelism. Groups like OM don't exist if there aren't local churches. And uh, praise God for this fellowship and the vision he has given you. And so it's such a privilege to be with you this morning. Verse 35 in Matthew 9 has this great picture of the Lord Jesus going about all the towns and villages. Jesus traveled through all the towns and villages in that area, teaching in the synagogues, announcing the good news about the kingdom, 
He healed every kind of disease and illness. And when he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were confused and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, the harvest is great, but the workers are few. So pray, so pray to the Lord who is in charge of the harvest. Ask him to send more workers into into his harvest. Wow, that's something everybody can do. You know, we've done a lot of important things in this meeting already. You realize that? Worshiping the living God, even greeting one another. Done something else really important that I don't think gets enough credit. We've taken an offering. Some people uh, do that very casually. And some people don't think that much about it. Some people do. But, you know, giving of your finance is an important ministry. It's an important ministry. You know, we have a lot of books about missionaries. We have a lot of books about theologians, pastors, great leaders. You ever get through the two Whitfield biographies? You ever get through the two Lloyd-Jones? You know, so many biographies have challenged me. There are not many books about those who have been doing the giving. Of course, ordinary, it's an, ordinarily, it's an army of ordinary people. Which, you know, who are we going to write about? Fortunately, in recent years, there have been some fantastic books about giving. I remember being with a business person, and this is very relevant for tonight, in Seattle. And I live actually in southeast London. We've been in Europe 50 years. We haven't even had our first furlough. Uh, this is, uh, we hope to become British citizens this year if we can get through the paperwork. We almost got stopped dead when we heard we had to take an exam because both of us, our memories are going downhill. We're not sure the difference anymore between Henry VIII and Henry VII or whoever and all the wives. And then we read, be careful to read the small print. If you're over 65, you're exempt (laughs) from the exam. And so we're back in applying for our British citizenship. But I was in the home of this man. He had given quite a bit of money to our work. He owned his own small shipping company. And something I said impacted him. He later phoned me. And what it was, I just said, the ministry of giving is an important ministry. As a business person, he always felt in his church he was sort of a second-class citizen. Somebody even said to him, maybe someday God will lead you out of your business into ministry. Huh? That doesn't sound right, does it? For him, a man of God who loves Jesus, his business is his ministry. Whatever you do, do it heartily as unto the Lord. And God touched this man and his wife about the ministry of giving. And right now they've set up a matching fund of close to 170 thousand pounds so tonight's offering will be doubled by this business person in seattle who's got a vision for giving and uh, probably most of us here don't have a lot of money maybe even in debt but i will tell you if you do have any excess money that is one of the most important things in your life what are you going to do with that what are you going to do with it there's new books written on this subject including one that's just hit even Walmart in America, Radical, by David Platt. Whoa, 
I already just bought a thousand. I don't think it's arrived in this country. It's, of course, titled Walking Away from the American Dream. Naturally, we don't understand anything about that kind of thing here in England. So God bless you for your ministry of giving. And Randy Alcorn, who's written so many books, has written one, The Law of Rewards. I've only just begun. The title didn't really grab me. I've never been into the reward thing. Uh, I know it's in the Bible, but I never studied it much. I never really understood it. And I wanted to really get his book, Treasure Principle, done in German. And the publisher wrote me back, we're not doing that. We're doing Law of the Rewards. Randy Alcorn, it's similar. I said, well, send me a copy since I want to buy uh, some in German. And what an amazing book. It shows that the money you gave this morning, it isn't gone. Maybe you thought, well, I gave that. That's it. That's gone. We won't be able to buy this or do that with the money. We've just given it away. It's laid up as treasure in heaven. It's treasure in heaven. And that's where we're going to spend eternity. Isn't it better to have investment there where you're going to be for eternity than here where you may be gone next week? On Thursday, I speak at the funeral of a young man, a relatively young man who only married a few years ago, his two young children. He's gone. Some kind of lightning cancer, brain tumors, inoperable. We've heard the story before, haven't we? He's gone. But you know, this dear brother, Frank Brooks, and he's featured in my newsletter that you can pick up free on that table. I was just looking at it. I didn't write it. But uh, he's laid up a lot of treasure in heaven. Well, going back to this scripture, I've read it because that's what this lady who lived near my home, that's, that's what she read. And she caught this vision for praying. She and her family didn't have a lot of money, but they're very generous. And the widow's might can do as much as a millionaire's millions because God, like the loaves and the fishes, he takes it and multiplies it. So she was a woman of, of generosity, but she was also a woman of prayer. And so she started to pray for labor. She became quite informed uh, about the mission world through going to missionary meetings. She had so many missionary prayer letters. And uh, so she started praying for missionaries. And in God's providence, I went into that school near her home. Now, I wasn't from a Christian home, though we were not sort of nominal. We weren't against Christianity. My grandfather from the Netherlands, my father also came from the Netherlands, moved to the New York City area. My grandfather was an atheist. Now, my other grandfather was more interesting. He was Irish, Scottish, and English blood mixed. It's basically toxic. And uh, that grandfather was a complete drunk, a complete alcoholic. And uh, my grandmother, in a day when it wasn't popular, divorced him. I only met that grandpa a couple times in my life. You know, not all children can ever meet their grandchildren, uh, can meet their grandparents. Some children lose even their parents when they're young. Boy, how my heart goes out. But if um, the grandchildren are now, of course, in the other room, but um, I'd love to be able to tell them. What a privilege it is that they not only have parents, in most cases, but they have grandparents. And I want to just say to all parents, 
and all grandparents, they, they are a priority. You know, I'm a very busy person. I have equal to three jobs. But when my grandchildren call, I drop everything. When they're on Facebook, they get priority. And by the way, if you're older and you're not into email or Facebook, it's worth getting on just for your grandchildren. By the way, we hear there's going to be a big merger. Have you heard about that? Twitter? Do we have any of you into Twitter? You don't look like a Twit crowd. And, uh, and YouTube, you can go into YouTube and get 40 different blogs of me, including my new exercise program in the disabled toilet in a jumbo jet. And then, of course, we have Facebook. And now we've heard the word is out that YouTube, Twitter, and Facebook are going to merge. It's going to be called U-Twit-Face. <laughs> That's a joke, by the way, for any of you that are not listening carefully. Well, the favorite thing, of course, for my wife and I is to jump in our old, old Volvo and drive 30 miles to be with our two English grandchildren. But to get to the other three we have to go to, Idaho. What a challenge. I want to share this from the bottom of my heart. In God's mercy, I started this movement from nothing. And yet, as I look back, being a father, being a husband, was a tougher challenge than starting OM from nothing to become one of the larger mission agencies in the world. Some people think, well, if you're going to be a missionary, boy, you need training. You need to discipline life. You need to make sure you're filled with the Holy Spirit. You need to make sure you, you know, you're denying self, taking up the cross every day and following him. I believe training for marriage should be equal to training for being a missionary. Because in my survey, only 56 years, marriage is tougher than missions. And if you have found marriage really just a walk in the park... No problem. Sailing through. Hey, bring me into balance. Send me an email. But so many of the people I talk to, including missionaries, the greater challenges in their life have been marriage, family, keeping it together. I don't, I should know more about these things, but I know that in the United States, even a high percentage of Christians, their marriage doesn't make it. At least the first marriage blows up and there's divorce. The other side of the coin, OM was one of the first mission agencies ever to recruit divorced people. My first ship captain was a divorced man. And in God's mercy, giving people a second chance, he provided the most amazing English wife. He was a Norwegian Pentecostal. She was British brethren. They had a great marriage. They did live in Norway. They're now in heaven. God's garden has many, many different flowers. I'm staying here in the home of a friend I saw, and I'm always looking at flowers. My wife and I go to gardens. We belong to the National Trust. Don't get our money's worth, really. We need to get with it this year, darling. But as I looked at my friend's garden there yesterday, I saw a flower I'd never seen before. And it's interesting, people passing by this morning wanted to come in and take a, a photograph of that flower. Well, we're... God has so many flowers, so many different kinds of people. God has so many different families. And this always encourages me when we have a meeting like tonight and we invite in other families. I think of these different churches as other families. And that's why I believe God's given me a balanced understanding of the church, of denominations. There's 30,000 different denominations in the world. Some people find that negative. That's positive. 
Now, some of the denominations today aren't very positive, and many of them have split because people have left the Word of God. We know about that kind of thing. But overall, those different denominations were started by men and women of God or a group of men and women of God. Of course, you have different time periods. You know, it's been going on for 2,000 years, so there might be quite a buildup. And then different personalities, different languages, different cultures. It's normal that there are so many denominations. Don't think of that as some kind of horrible disunity. That's, they're God's families. Each family is distinct. We have many families represented here. But I believe every family here is distinct. And as you visit one another and go in one another's homes, find out what other people are into, don't you find out everybody is different. Even a cup of tea, when I first came to England, it was 8 Tasso Road, Fulham. We'll never forget it. We came up from Spain. We were trying to sleep that morning. We were tired. There was a knock on the door. The landlady downstairs, a total stranger, knocked on our door, and she had two cups of tea. I'll never forget it. We've never been the same. Now we, first thing we do every morning is a cup of tea. And 80% of the tea I bring, including this morning, is not accepted by my tea connoisseur wife. So I've given her uh, a bag. And uh, we had a problem once when I referred to the old bag. And uh, that got me in considerable difficulty. God's flowers, God's garden, it's beautiful. And it's going to be beautiful tonight to fellowship people with people from other churches. One of the most important books in my life was Charles Swindoll's book, Grace Awakening. He has a chapter in that book that really helped me. As I tended to have too many convictions on strong issues. Are any of you like that? You have convictions on pretty well everything. You call it convictions. Other people believe you're opinionated. And don't be surprised that they don't like to talk to you. And I was a bit opinionated. And it affected our marriage. It affected my leadership. And I got this book, Grace Awakening. God was already doing this in my heart through his holy word. But Charles Swindle in that book had a chapter graciously disagreeing and pressing on. I believe that's one of the most important messages in the church today. With the way the world is, with the way the church is, with so many different emphases, so many different books. I don't think there's a straight drink left in the body of Christ. It's all cocktails. But hopefully the basic ingredient of biblical evangelical faith is there. And so, praise God. Praise God for this woman who prayed for me. Praise God for this picture of the Lord Jesus going out into all the towns and villages I've modified sometimes in some of the things I said back in the 60s when I first came here intended to offend a lot of people, generally not the younger generation. By the very first summer after coming here, 200 people joined OM in Paris, a lot of them Brits. By the next summer, we didn't even bring Americans. By the next summer, 2000, since those early days, and Britain is the main birthplace of this whole movement, 170,000 people have been on Operation Mobilization. Anybody here? Raise your hand. You've been on OM maybe for a few weeks or a few months. Only a few. We'll have to change that tonight. Hey, forgive us for, for, for not emphasizing Ipswich enough. Really. We got caught in London, Manchester, Liverpool, 
our UK base is up there in Oslo Street. We've never had a major London operation, so we haven't been here to Ipswich so much. So it's never too late. God is so merciful. Any of you find that in life you may have missed plan A? Got on plan B. Any of you feel your plan B? Any here that are, you feel you made a lot of wrong turns in your life and you're now on like plan D or like plan H? Any plan H people? You know what I say? Praise God for a big alphabet. Press on in the grace that's in Jesus. I had a Korean lady come to me in California after this message. I don't know what she meant to say. She looked at me and she said, I'm on plan Z. And to be honest, I don't know what I said to her. But I don't think any of you are that far down life's road. Pray the Lord of the harvest. Then he'll send forth workers into the harvest. Would you take that? Would you begin to pray for workers from these churches that will be represented here tonight? Not just short term. How many of you have already been on short term? Pretty well everybody's going on that these days. Raise your hand. Well, even that, you're on a little bit of a low score. But uh, And it's not just for young people. There's a whole movement spreading across the world called the Finishers Movement. Finish well. And they're all what we call in America baby boomers. They're all older people. And they're going into global missions. OM, from the earliest days, has been helped greatly by older people. Our ships always have older people. Some of our captains, not the present captain, some of them have been older people. There's no retirement plan for kingdom people. If any of you are dreaming about sitting back when you retire from your present job and taking it really easy, you're in the wrong place sitting here this morning because there's no retirement for kingdom people. Technically, I retired seven years ago. These have been, in some ways, the greatest seven years of our life. I never did like leadership. Committee meetings, executive meetings, handling criticism. I did it as on to Jesus because that's what he called me. And life isn't mainly what I feel like doing. But I always felt I was a reluctant, needy leader. For seven years, I've had more freedom. No committee meetings much. No executive meetings I'm not even leading from behind the scenes. I'm not even sort of chief advisor for OM. I'm free. I preached 330 times last year. I raised about a million pounds to give away just as a small part of OM called special projects that I'm responsible for. And those senior years, those sunset years can be some of the greatest years in your life. Maybe a lot of people I talk to, they feel they missed it. They feel they've been lukewarm during part of their life. They feel they've lacked the reality of the Holy Spirit. They've lacked biblical dynamic faith. And somehow in their 40s and their 50s, God got a hold of them. And that now they're serving him with all their heart, soul, mind, and strength. That's God's way. And it's not a matter of geography. Yes, we need people to go to these more unreached people. The need in the mission field, yes, even for British missionaries, is as great as ever before. But we know the mission field is right here. Do you think it surprised God? It really surprised God that all these Muslims have somehow arrived here in Britain. How sad that so many people are negative about immigrants. Why don't we study the history and see where everybody came from going back a thousand 
or more years. There are things, of course, that happen that, that are discouraging. And that policeman killed in Ireland yesterday was pretty discouraging for me, a place I've been involved in for some 47 years. And we now have peace. And yet just one extremist or a few extremists are taking precious lives in Northern Ireland. Brothers and sisters, these are phenomenal days of complexity, of chaos. The top people in the world do, know not, do not know what's going to happen in Libya. They're fighting about it, arguing about it. You turn on one TV channel or say one thing, switch a channel to say completely the opposite. You read one paper to say one thing, read another paper to say the other. Why? Nobody knows, but we are God's people. And we know his plan is for us to reach Libya with the gospel. And we don't know what mess has to take place through human sin and folly to open that door for us, as we've seen in many other parts of the world. So I want to encourage you, vision, action, grace, to take hold of these great scriptures like Matthew 9 and make sure you're on fire for Jesus. Make sure you're praying for workers. Make sure you yourself are reaching out as much as you can as God gives grace to all of those around you. In postmodern evangelism, I'm going to bring this to a close in a minute, I believe we have to do a lot more listening. And in sharing our faith with Muslims, we have to just do a lot more listening. Not get into an argument, not throw son of God theology immediately in their face, but try to understand how they feel. Do they feel even accepted? Do they feel frightened because of what's going on? And I believe as we love Muslims or love any people, even raw atheists, praise God, Anthony Flew, the third most famous British atheist, changed his mind and before he died, he wrote that brilliant book, I Was Wrong, There Is a God. That needs to be shouted from the housetop because people are trying to promote atheism and it is one dead end street. There is a living God. I have fellowship with him every single day. That lady prayed for me, and then a spiritual tornado blew into New York City near my home, like a combination of Madonna, E.T., Lady Gaga, and John Wayne, converted, of course, named Billy Graham. I sat as far away as I could, and I watched my, used my binoculars as I heard Billy Graham was a hypnotist, and I heard instead the gospel of Jesus, and I believed on Jesus because that lady had been praying for me for three years. How do you put that together? You can't. I believed in Jesus. He saved me. And every single day, right to this morning, every single day, I've known the grace and the peace and the strength of the living God through much stupidity, much failure. All my life wrestling with the struggle of impatience. All my life wrestling with a negative streak. I, I tend to see the dark side. Do any of you feel that you've got sort of a negative streak? You tend to see the dark side. You look at the news. Am I the only one? Any, any others have a negative streak? Just raise your finger. Oh, there are a few others. You'll remember this closing story of mine. I was really praying and asking God to make me more optimistic, more big-hearted, able to see the silver lining, the bright side, and to, to close my mouth some of these negatives. I was in Pakistan. I'll never forget it. I had to preach in the cathedral. 
And an OM leader came to me and said, look, could you be careful in the meeting tomorrow? I'm known for saying at least one, two, three stupid things per sermon. Could you, could you really be careful tomorrow? Because the bishop's going to be here. We're just starting the work in Pakistan. You know, we, I said, you know, okay. I think I was a little uptight about it. I said, okay. Then another OM leader came to me. I never forget. He said, do you think you could dress properly? And that's before I got this global jacket. This covers everything. But I, I guess I had some old clothing in the Pakistan in those days. They were still dressing properly. Old day, hangover from colonialism. So I said, okay, I'll dress properly. I never forget it. The next day, I'm in the cathedral. I got a suit and tie on. Looked like an undertaker. I was really, I was really trying my best. And guess what, negative thinkers, guess what? As I was preaching in front of the bishop, a pigeon flew over me, <laughs> dropped its load on the sleeve of my nice suit in front of the bishop, huh? Typical, right, negative thinkers? Typical, that's what it's about, isn't it? But God was doing a new thing in me. I said, look, praise the Lord that the elephants don't fly around here. I've never been the same. Brothers and sisters, these... These are desperate days, and we need God's people to be with it 100% in prayer, in sharing, in relationship, in dealing with their weaknesses. I discovered as a young person, especially battling pornography and lust, that that would either make me or break me. And I asked God, make me. What do I mean by that? I knew. I couldn't play games. I knew I couldn't take it easy. I'm the kind of guy that's going to crash and burn. And so every day, I've kept short accounts with God. I've had to deal, yes, even sometimes with failure with my eyes. But I deal with it quickly. I read that verse. Don't let the sun go down upon your anger. Another one of my top 15 problems. I thought, well, if it says that about anger, that should be true about all sin. We shouldn't let the sun go down on any sin in our life. <laughs> Praise God that summertime's coming. You get a few extra hours, you know, to deal with sin. But uh, it's better to deal with it, of course, instantly before even the clock strikes the next hour. God bless you. God use you for his glory. I want to pray for you. Lord, I thank you for this church. I thank you for each person you brought here this morning. I thank you that they're already cutting-edge people, making an impact in Ipswich, learning to love one another, Learning, learning to be grace awakened, men and women of prayer. Bless all those who have responsibilities in the church. Bring other people into the action that every one of us may be on the team to impact locally and to impact globally for your glory. In Jesus' wonderful name, amen. Amen.